If somebody says, if ever said to me, hey, you could have your eyesight, but you have to, you know, get rid of Jesus, I'd say no, no deal. That's the voice of Gail Blair, a blind woman who was banned from the public park after peacefully sharing her faith in Jesus. But rather than be silenced, Gail stood up for her rights and won. Today, Kelly Shackelford with the First Liberty Institute explains how Gail's victory is important to all Americans who want to freely live out their faith. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman. Well, today we're going to hear the second part of a very powerful message from Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty, one of the most successful First Amendment legal groups in the nation. As we mentioned last week, Kelly gave an exclusive update to the Family Foundation and its supporters, and we're going to share that with you today. You will hear him talking about some key legal victories and how they have created this historical moment where every American will have stronger legal protections for their religious freedoms than ever before. But the question is, how will we steward this opportunity? And again, I just want to remind everybody, this event was held outdoors, so there will be some unusual audio in places. But if you ignore that, I think you will be very inspired. Without further delay, let's hear from Kelly. This is a, a woman who was slowly going blind. And as she was going blind, she was like, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? I was a nurse. I had access to people. Now I'm just in an apartment across the street from the park. And she said, that's it. I'm in the apartment across the street from the park. Every day, I'm going to find my way out with my cane. I'm going to find my way across the street. I'm going to sit at a bench. I'm going to hope somebody comes near me. And if so, I'm going to strike up a conversation. And I'm going to hand them a copy of the Gospel of John. And that's what she did for two years until they stopped her and said, you're banned from the park and the library for two years for talking about your faith. So this is Gail Blair. It's only three minutes, but look at her story because I think it tells you some of the battle we're in. Nursing was it for me. It was my identity. I did everything. If I could help them get a job or an apartment, my husband says that I am a um, frustrated social worker. <laughs> January 7th, 1984, I actually had been going to a Bible study on the book of John, and uh, it opened my heart to the Word of God being the answer, the truth. It was the best day of my life. I actually was born with a genetic disorder, retinitis pigmentosa, and I still continued nursing until I couldn't anymore because of my vision loss. If somebody says, if ever said to me, hey, you could have your eyesight, but you have to, you know, get rid of Jesus, I'd say, no, no deal. Wherever I go, I try to hand this out to people. So it's 21 chapters of the gospel. I get around with my cane to cross the street to go in the park. Going into a park to uh, talk with people is a pleasure, first of all. But knowing that eternal life is real and people don't know that they're in danger, people have been saved in the park. I've had more of a reaction from the staff on, in the park that was not too nice, uh, like they would interrupt me. There's plenty of people to talk to. I don't have to be um, going after anybody. I couldn't. It would be a tripping hazard for me. 
I was sitting on a bench with a man that I was conversing with. The executive director comes over and he says that he was gonna call the police. And uh, that's the start of um, the two-year ban, even from the library, which that was a little bit of a surprise to me, that they would ban me from both the park and the library on passing out one of the 66 books of the Bible that you have in your library that people can check out. I guess my heart is broken uh, that I can't do what the Lord has told me to do. So if you want to say that, I, I think about daily the lost souls. I think the Lord has positioned me right across from the park. It, it's a divine uh, assignment that I absolutely need to fulfill. It's, it's just a must. Some of you are thinking, boy, thanks, Victoria, for sending me to hear the depressing speaker about all the bad cases. So let me, let me tell you the good news. The good news is there's a method of dealing with this. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time, and it's working. Um, and that is, if you were to look at nonprofit uh, legal groups in the country, um, there are left-wing group, right-wing group, doesn't matter. They all have the same model. The model is raise as much money as you can, use that money to hire as many attorneys as you can, put them in an office in D.C. or L.A. or New York, and then fly them around the country and cover as many cases on your issue as you can cover. That's not our model. Our model, I would call a body of Christ model, which is there's all these people of faith who went to law school because they wanted to stand for what was right. And 30 years later, these are the best litigators at the best law firms in the country. And they've done honorable work for their clients, the most powerful you know, businesses and corporations in the country, but they've never gotten to do a case for their faith. And we come along and sit down with those guys and we say, look, if we give you everything you need, like on our staff or top graduates from Harvard and Chicago and all the best law firms in the country and all they do is religious freedom. We've got a media division that'll surround you. If we give you everything you need, are you willing to give your time on one of these cases? And they're like, man, I've been waiting 35 years, sign me up. And we know what's going to happen when we give them that first case. For the first time in their life, all their talent, all their gifts, all their training is lined up you know, with the kingdom for the first time. They've never felt that before. It's kind of unfair, but we now know we have them for the rest of their lives as one of our volunteer attorneys. Because they're going to do another one of these, and another. And they give cover to the younger attorneys. They get to taste of what this is like, and they're never going back. So if you were to go through the top 100 law firms in the United States, most of those firms don't just donate their time. They'll fight us over who gets to donate their time in the case. We have the largest law firm in the United States. It's called the Body of Christ. Our lawyers that are all these other firms. So we can put the most powerful dream teams together in 30 minutes anywhere in the country. When we have a, a case in Montana, our lawyer is the best lawyer in Montana at the biggest law firm. When he goes into court and looks at the federal judge, they were in first grade together and lost a tooth together in first grade. Right? The ACLU guy coming from L.A., he's playing an away game. And so when you think about it, we should win. We have the best litigators. Okay, they're in these communities, and this country was built on religious freedom. So we, we, we should win. And so normally this is where I would stop what I was telling you today because I'd say, yeah, we got a lot more cases, but we're winning. 
But something started to happen about five years ago that changed things. I started to say, you know, I think we might be able to change the future of the country. And about three years ago, I stopped saying that because I said, we are changing the future of the country. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. And what I mean is, really, it started with judges. Look, we're nonpartisan. Whoever's in office, we're going to push for religious freedom. So we were preparing for a Hillary Clinton presidency and how to push religious freedom, and we had our plans. And then this Trump guy won. And we're like, we got to reevaluate. And we looked, and we immediately saw 132 federal judicial seats open. These are lifetime appointments. Very unusual to have that many open. And we thought, we really felt God calling us to create the top, most extensive vetting division of judges in the country. And that's what we did, because we said, you know what, we win one case for religious freedom, that's great, but if we can put a judge in there for 30 to 40 years, that's a lot of cases. And so we did that. Well, the result of that is, and I, I don't know a way to describe this to you, because I'd have to tell you about all, all 234 judges who were put on the court, but I've got a picture of two of them. This guy right here with his hand up, it's just a great example to give you a feel. Um, Top of his class from University of Texas Law School, goes to work for Baker Botts, one of the biggest law firms in the country. After six years, decides, I want to do something more significant. So what does he do? He goes to work for, uh, in the federal prosecutor's office putting away terrorists. He's so good, he wins an award, a national award for putting away terrorists. <laughs> until Eric Holder came in as Attorney General, pulled him off of his terrorist work to work on LGBT issues. So he left. He said, that's not why I went there. Where did he go? Uh, he came to work for us as one of our attorneys. And at age 38, he was tapped to be a federal judge for the rest of his life, okay? This guy is, is brilliant, okay? He would rather die than to ever turn from the Constitution or his faith. And my grandkids' kids will walk into court and he'll be their judge. That's change. Who's, who's swearing him in? Jim Ho, probably the smartest lawyer in the country, uh, clerk for Justice Thomas. Um, was at Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher, one of the most powerful law firms in the world. Um, he's now at the Federal Court of Appeals, right underneath the Supreme Court. He's written the most powerful opinions of probably any Trump judge, and not probably, he has, of anybody in the country. He was our most active volunteer attorney in the country. He is now probably, the, the theory is he will probably be the next Supreme Court appointment once a Republican comes in office. Okay? Now you start multiplying that up to 234, you start to change the opinions and the direction of the law. There, the religion clauses, both, there's a free exercise clause and the establishment clause. They both have one really bad case that's caused horrible damage to religious freedom for 50 years. And if you'd asked me six years ago, can you get rid of those? I'd have said, not in my lifetime. I am now watching both of those precedents being imploded. Okay? I didn't think it was possible. And it's because of the judges that are going back to the Constitution and away from bad decisions that weren't based on the Constitution. So let's take the Bladensburg Cross case. I think we got a picture. Um, that's right outside of D.C. It's a memorial put up 100 years ago by mothers who lost their sons in World War I until the American humanists come along and say, you can't have this, this memorial on government property. It's a cross. 
And so we went to the Court of Appeals, the Federal Court of Appeals. We had two Obama judges and a Clinton judge as our three judges. Not a great draw. Um, one of the Obama judges says, well, why don't we just cut the arms off the cross? That way nobody will be offended. We won't have to tear it down. <laughs> So they ruled after 100 years it was unconstitutional. So we went to the Supreme Court, except by now Kavanaugh and Gorsuch were on the court. And we said, you know, we're not just going to go for a win. This, this old 50-year-old case that has caused all this damage to religious freedom called Lemon. It's perfectly named. Lemon is the name of the case. Um, that case, the Lemon case, um, has caused, you know, why our whole lives have we seen nativity scenes under attack? Uh, you know, veterans memorials with a cross or a star of David under attack? Um, Ten Commandments might, why? Because the our founders would think there's a problem with religious symbols in public? No, because of this Lemon case which created this hostility to religion from the government. And so we said, I think that we, we need to go after Lemon. We've now got Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and if we can get the Chief Justice, then we'll have five votes. All right, we did that. We, lost, we won the case 7-2. 5-4, they said, we're not following Lemon. That is a sea change. For 50 years, we've gone hostility to religion. We just turned, okay? Everything just turned. Now, we got to build this out. That's very different. Next case that came up, we just argued two months ago, is the Coach Kennedy case. This is the coach who was fired for going to a knee by himself to say a prayer after the football game. We just argued that case. And after the Bladensburg Cross case, I told our staff, I said, look, this is a huge victory, but we only got rid of Lemon in the area of public displays. I said, our goal, we've got to get this into the schools because this hostility in the schools has been going on for a long time, and, but it's going to take us a long time. It's, it's a lot more sensitive there. It's more impressionable children, all this. It's going to be harder. And so we came up with a plan to move step by step to get it there. And then we had the oral argument in our Coach Kennedy case two months ago. This is already a huge case. There has never been a case in the history of the country on the rights of teachers or coaches with regard to their faith in our schools. Think of that. Never. So this is going to affect every teacher, you know, already big. But in the middle of the argument, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Justice Kavanaugh, of all people, says, you know, why are we even messing with Lemon? I think it's time to get rid of Lemon in everything, in the public schools and everywhere. Gorsuch then chimes in and says, yes, we don't follow them and we know that's a bad case. I mean, they're basically saying we're about to reconfigure all of our public schools to where religious freedom is now going to be protected again for every student, for every teacher, for every coach. I mean... I don't know if they're going to do it in this decision. We might have five or six votes, but I'm telling you they're trying to go there. If they do, this is, this is one of those cases that will be cited 50 years from now. Okay? But even if they don't, this is what I want to say. I've been saying this for the last year. In my opinion, every American is about to have more religious freedom than they've ever had in their lifetime. Okay? I'm telling you, God is moving in dramatic ways. If, as a guy who's been doing this for, for 33 years, I can tell you that what is happening now is very different. Okay? God, and this is, I can't explain this outside of the hand of God, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it really is. We can go into court right now and we're winning left and right and we're moving religious freedom and we know we're just at the beginning of this, okay, with a new court. 
So what that then puts on everybody else is, what are you going to do with all this freedom? Right? If God opens a door for us and we don't walk through it, shame on us. Right? This is why the Family Foundation exists. I mean, is to walk into this opportunity. Well, before we wrap up here, I just want to mention the very good news that since Kelly gave that talk, not only did First Liberty win at the Supreme Court level on the school choice case coming out of Maine, but also the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Coach Kennedy's religious freedoms. And the court did, in fact, as Kelly predicted, pretty much end the use of the Lemon case as a valid legal standard. And as he said, this is the biggest case impacting the religious freedoms of teachers and coaches in public schools in our nation's history. This is something to be thankful for and also to realize we are in a such a time as this moment for Christians living out their faith. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.